What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Sports Blog New York podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. You may be listening to your first Sports Blog New York podcast episode of the day. You may be listening to your second, but important note here you're listening to the episode here with Dan Canova of NJ.com and the Jersey Journal. He's a sports editor over there. And we're talking football. We're talking NFL picks for week three. We're talking a whole lot of Giants, Eli Manning. Uh, we both kind of agree that Sam Darnold and the Jets, good story, cool story, keeping our eye on it for sure. But these Giants and this uh, very, very rough start is absolutely fascinating. And we need to figure it out. We need to talk about what the Giants didn't do in the draft last year, what Eli Manning has left, and Dan Canova brings the heat, he brings the stats, he brings the facts, and we talk a lot about Giants, and then do not forget about those NFL Week 3 locks. We told you about a bunch of games, talked about a lot of things, Pete and Dan on the Sports Blog New York Podcast, but you know where to find it. If you're listening to me right now, you found it already, but otherwise, Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud sportsblognewyork.com. You can hit me on Twitter at P. Kennedy with two Ys. And if you didn't check out the NBA Outsiders edition of the SBNY podcast, please do so. We talked about Jimmy Butler, the Knicks, the Nets, the Clippers, and that whole trade fiasco. The Timberwolves, what the hell are they doing now? Tom Thibodeau's a joke. That was Pete, Duff, and Frank. Pete being me, of course. But hang out with us on a Thursday, on a Friday, on a Saturday. Get ready for the weekend. Get ready for football week three. It was a blast talking to Dan Canova. So hang tight. Stay tuned. Hit me on Twitter at Pete Kennedy. Drop a little subscribe, little rate, little review on iTunes, Apple Podcast app. Love nothing more than to hear from you all. So thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of your week. Football week three coming at you. And with saying goodbye to the NBA Outsiders, I bring in my man Dan Canova, the sports editor of NJ.com and the Jersey Journal. Covers a lot of football, huge football guy. Dan, I'm very happy to have you here on the SBNY podcast. Thanks for coming on. How pumped have you been for football to be back? Hey, Pete, how are you? Um, thanks for reaching out to me. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I'm very excited to, um, so far with this football season. Um, you know, a lot of twists and turns, a lot of ups and downs. You know, the way the NFL season always is parity and um you know as we spoke about it off the air um that's just the way the nfl season is and it's going to continue to be like that in years to come and uh looking forward to diving into a couple topics with you and uh taking it from there on any given sunday ryan fitzpatrick can throw for 400 yards and six touchdowns (laughs) (laughs) i mean hey you know in that case who would have thought you know i mean I'm sure the 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 Bucks had him in there, assuming he was just gonna, you know, be a bridge from now until Jameis Winston came back, who they obviously view as their franchise quarterback. But I mean, in this case, how do you take him out? You know, I mean, he beat week one. He went into New Orleans and beat the Saints, dropping 48 points on a defense that was actually very good last year. And then in week two, taking down the Super Bowl champs at home. Um, I mean, it, it, it'd be very tough for the Bucks to um to take him out especially i mean this upcoming monday night especially if he beats the steelers i mean i don't know how you do it but uh that i'm very interested and intrigued to see how that whole entire situation plan plays out 
And I mean, how lucky for ESPN. I mean, uh, hopefully the game is good Monday night because re- realistically, these Monday night games the first two weeks have been kind of stinkers. And mm-hmm. you look at before the season started, you look at Bucks at Steelers week three, you're like, ooh, that looks like a 40 to 12 win or some horrible mm-hmm. looking win for the Steelers. But now the way the Bucks are playing, that might be an interesting game. And Fitzpatrick brings a good storyline. It should be really fun. Uh, but Dan is here, Dan Canova, NJ.com, Jersey Journal. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about some Giants and Jets stuff. And the funny thing for me, too, talking about Fitzpatrick real quick before we move on, uh, being from the New York, New Jersey area, we saw Fitz up mm-hmm. close and personal with the Jets. I mean, he can mm-hmm. do some things, but it can't last, right? No, I don't think so. I mean, he's a journeyman quarterback for a reason. Harvard grad, you know, he obviously went to Harvard. Um, you know, he's played on, what, eight, nine teams. I don't, I don't really know that number off the top of my head. But he's a viable backup quarterback that's what he is and that's who he is um i think in the in the in the meantime they should definitely ride him out um when the going gets a little tough which i think it will happen especially once maybe they start playing the carolina panthers of the world and when they have to play the Atlanta falcons of the world and maybe when they get their rematch against the saints i think he'll he will start to fizzle out and eventually i can see um you know obviously winston taking over but in the in the meantime the way he's been playing i, I don't see how you you know you you ruin that momentum for the Bucks in their offense. Absolutely. I mean, it, it just it has to regress to the mean at some point. I think it will, uh, but it'll be fun to watch in the meantime with Deshaun Jackson running deep. Mike Evans still looking like a beast. Uh, but let's ba- let's move back to the New York Giants here. The New York Football Giants have not looked good in the first two weeks of the season, and that's to. <laughs> that's saying it lightly. And your chuckles kind of speak volumes there. Uh, so Dan, I mean. Before we dive super duper deep into Eli, the mm-hmm. O line, and what looks yeah. wrong, uh, is there any hope that you can pull out of the first two weeks of the Giants? Can you can you rack it up to them being a new unit and a new coach, or are you real nervous about this team right now? I mean, um, I am nervous, especially since they addressed the offensive line in the offseason. They brought in Nate Shoulder from the New England Patriots. They drafted Will Hernandez um, in the NFL draft. They made a couple, you know, changes on the offensive line. They brought in Saquon Barkley uh, from running back from Penn State, obviously with their first-round pick to hopefully solidify some kind of run game, which they haven't been able to do in the in the first two games. So you would think, and then obviously the return of Odell Beckham from ankle from ankle surgery, and they have weapons like Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard. And you know, a couple of years ago when they went 11 and five, they had the number two ranked defense, you know, allowing points per game in the NFL. That that was the main reason they were 11 and five because that year offensively they were 26 in the NFL in points per game so obviously they have everything in place it's just a matter of you know putting everything together obviously you know there could be a little adjusting with the with the new head coach Pat Shermer um you know new GM Dave Gettleman so I mean it's a lot of moving pieces but honestly um Pete in my in my opinion I think the Giants made a mistake from from the from the draft I think then taking Barkley as much as I love Saquon Barkley and I think he will be the next best young running back in the NFL, 21 years old. Their mistake was not taking a future franchise quarterback to replace Eli Manning. You know, this year you have a new head coach. You have a new general manager. Get your franchise quarterback of the future and solidify that and build around him. And, you know, with a 37, 38-year-old Eli Manning, that how much longer does he have? And, and clearly the decline with Eli started – years ago and i think the giants new regime they should have recognized that a while back and they should have made the decision especially this year with a cream of the crop quarterback class coming out and sam darnold arguably the best 
in my opinion, the best quarterback prospect probably since Andrew Luck came out. I mean, I don't know if you would agree with me with that. And to pass on that opportunity, especially after the Browns messed up taking Baker Mayfield, who I think could be good, but I don't think he's going to be Sam Donald good. And I think the Giant fans could cringe for the next 10, 15 years knowing that a quarterback that they passed on will be playing in, in for the other team in New York. <laughs> Put it that way. <laughs> and unfortunately, this is music to my ears, but it kind of hurts my ears because I'm a Giants fan. So I oh, want, man. but I, I have been on this podcast for a long time, just, mm-hmm. just hoping and you know, trying to speak into existence for the Giants to take a quarterback here. I liked I actually I should say this. I love Darnold. I love Rosen. I liked Mayfield and I didn't like Allen. And that was kind of my mm-hmm. order on quarterbacks coming into this draft. And I was like, it's not we're number two. If you think you have a talented team, you shouldn't be picking this high in the draft again. The Giants could mm-hmm. cl- clearly think that they have what it takes to compete even though they haven't looked like it, but they think that they can compete right now, which is why they chose to rebuild around Eli Manning. That also should have meant to them they're not going to be picking that high in the draft again. So what's the big deal? Mm-hmm. Rosen's going to be sitting for a year anyway. If uh, mm-hmm. Josh McCown was a little better or they maybe had more, some more faith in him, Donald might be sitting right now. Baker Mayfield is sitting right now. You could have still had faith in Eli and Absolutely. still built to win right now and had the quarterback of the future. And I, I said this before, too. I don't know if you thought about it this way. How cool would it have been for New Yorkers to say, say Rosen got drafted by the Giants or Darnold, vice versa, but say it was Rosen and Darnold for the Giants and the Jets. Can you imagine two quarterbacks in the same draft class playing for the Jets and Giants in the same stadium, alternating Sundays, and just for the next 10 years of franchise quarterbacks, that would have been electric. They would have been compared for years to come. It could have been an amazing moment in New York sports, and the Giants let it slip for a guy who hopefully can be in the league for 10 years. Exactly, and that, and that, that, comes, that doesn't take away from Barkley's you know, potential and how great he could be. It's just the nature of the running back position. They hit 30 years old, and they hit a wall. Running backs hit a wall. And my whole thing with that, too, is, you know, very rarely you get the Tom Brady's of the world in the sixth round or even, you know, Dak Prescott, who is another story, who I think is also another mediocre quarterback. He was drafted, I believe, in the fourth round. You know, a lot of the greatest quarterbacks of all time were drafted in that first round. And if you look at the running back position, yes, there was a lot of great ones drafted in the first round. But even in the NFL now, look at all, a lot of the good running backs in the league. Kareem Hunt, last year's um, NFL leading rusher, drafted in the fourth round. Alvin Kamara, New Orleans Saints, drafted in the third round. You have you could get that that position, the running back position. There's plenty of running backs out there. It's a, it's, it's a position easily to replace. And the Giants didn't need to get the best one. They didn't need to get Saquon Barkley. Their their mentality should have been eyeing their future at the most important position in all of sports, which is the quarterback position. And it sucks that it always turns into what seems like a bashing of Saquon and people like you and I who happen to share the same opinion, which, you know, before we started recording, I, I kind of felt you were you were going that way, but I didn't know we, we shared this opinion so, so strongly here. I hate that mm-hmm. it sometimes turns into a Saquon bashing because it's not what it's meant to be. No. But when you look no. around the league and you look at the Denver Broncos right now, Philip Lindsay is one of the leading rushers in exactly. the NFL right now. The dude went undrafted. Nobody knew who he was until last week. I mean... It's tough to defend at that point, and it's it's not a bash on Barkley, and we say it over and over until a blue in the face. Absolutely not. But it, it matters, and it can hurt them in the future. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of Eli Manning consistently, uh, I'm going to give you the Giant fan perspective here because I know you are not specifically a Giant fan. You're just from mm-hmm. the area and cover the team for NJ.com and the Jersey Journal. Um, 
people are defending Eli in this sense. They're saying mm-hmm. how bad the O-line looks. They're saying he mm-hmm. has no time. They're saying that he's never been mobile. These things may be true, but a lot of people also believe that does not absolve Eli from blame here. So where do you land on the blame for Eli Manning versus the O-line blame, or is it a giant mixture of both? What do you see out of Eli, and what do you see out of the offense that's out of his control? I think it's a mixture of a lot of things. I think it is the offensive line. I think it's him. But, you know, when, when, when he won his Super Bowls, he was crowned the MVP. Now that things have went in a downward, downward spiral in his career, you know what? Quarterbacks get the blame. That's just the way it is in football. You know, quarterbacks get the blame. And to me, his downward spiral um, over, you know, the last seven, eight, nine years, it's been it's actually been ridiculous and i think a lot of giant fans have just gone to you know they've they they and i don't blame giant fans you know because he did bring them two super bowl titles he beat tom brady and the new england patriots twice in the super bowl so i don't blame them for you know defending eli manning and being biased towards eli manning but you also have to be realistic. Look, I'm a I'm a football fan first, but I also do root for the Indianapolis Colts. And I knew when Peyton Manning's time was up, it was up. It was time for us to move on in the right direction and take Andrew Luck. Packers felt the same way when it was time from transitioning to Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. This could have been the year for the New York Giants with a whole new regime, with a new general manager, with a new head coach to make that transition from Eli Manning to Sam Darnold or to Josh Rosen. But for some reason, they refused to do it. And they're stuck with the 37, 38-year-old quarterback with a running back who is great. And I love Saquon Barkley, but the quarterback position is what's more important. And, I mean, I think the blame could be pointed everywhere. But, look, everyone was blaming Ben McAdoo. Everyone was blaming the offensive line. Everyone was blaming he had no weapons last year. When is enough enough, and when are they going to point the finger at Eli Manning? That's what I want to know because over the last nine years, guess what? Eli Manning's missed the playoff seven times. You know, the last time the New York Giants scored 30 points in the game, do you know when that was, Pete? Uh, I believe that was 17 games ago. That was 18? week 17. Week 17 of 2015 oh, was the last time gosh. the New York Giants scored 30 points in a game. And on average, the first two weeks of this year, I believe it's been six, seven teams that have scored 30 or more points in a in a league now where offense thrives, offense thrives. Ryan Fitzpatrick thrown for 400 yards. Blake Bortles threw for four touchdowns against the New England Patriots last week. Offense thrives in the NFL nowadays. And for the Giants to not score 30 or more points since week 17 of 2015, which was a loss to the Philadelphia Eagles, that that's unacceptable. And that's 1,000% unacceptable. It's almost hard to do in this league to not have a game where you run into multiple big plays and just end up with 30. It's actually, it's a joke that that is such a stat. And great stat by you. I mean, it has to be frustrating. I mean, it is frustrating, but how do how do some Giants fans just look at their team and not think that that shouldn't have been the move? And and do you think it would have been possible to, to start Eli this year if they drafted a quarterback? Or do you think by now, leading into week three, if he looked the same way he did, uh, you think there would have been screams for the new guy, right? Like, cause if they, say they draft Sam Darnold, Eli's still mm-hmm. the starter, but now they're 0-2 mm-hmm. going into week three against the Texans. People are screaming for mm-hmm. Sam Darnold, no? Of course, of course. I, I, I think so, but I think they would still ride Eli out just because they have him now. Um, but, of course, I mean, I don't know if the Giants wanted that. And I, to your credit, what you said earlier, and I was thinking the same thing, the reason they took Barkley is because they felt like they were a team that could win now. 
and clearly, like you said, they were three and thirteen a year ago. I don't think a running back is going to be that fix. I don't think a running back will be that fix to turn that team from three and thirteen to thirteen and three. And obviously, the Giants thought so, but I think the record and Eli's stats and the production says otherwise. So let's look back to last season when Eli's fantastic streak, and let's not get it twisted, that's a fantastic streak he had going. His consecutive start streak was was spectacular. I forget the exact number off the top of my head. But when he got benched for Geno Smith, there was an insane amount of backlash, and frankly, it was deserved in my opinion. That should have never happened, and if it should happen, it should have been Davis Webb or a young guy, right? Do you think that mishap led them to make the decisions they made this year where they didn't want more backlash against Eli and the franchise for turning on him? Um, that's a possibility. Um, you know, look, Eli Manning, he's an Iron Man. I mean, no one's denying that. The guy's been in the league for 15, 16 years, or whatever the number is off the top of my head. He has over 200 consecutive starts. You know, he made four Pro Bowls, two-time Super Bowl champ, two-time MVP, sixth all-time in yards, eighth all-time in touchdowns. But, and, and rightfully so, I think there was a lot of backlash because of I think it just simply comes down to the fact that he brought the New York Giants to Super Bowls. I think if the Giants, if he never won a Super Bowl, I mean, if, if I recall correctly, in 07 when they beat the Patriots, I believe they did start off that year 0-2. And, and I think everyone was calling for Tom Coughlin's job, Eli Manning at quarterback. And, you know, obviously things went on and changed, and they ended up making the playoffs and going on a crazy run and beating Brett Favre in Lambeau Field and obviously taking down the 18 and 0 new England Patriots. So obviously in those two, like I said, Eli Manning's career in a nutshell to me is two magical, wonderful Super Bowl runs, which by the way, in those two seasons were the only time, only times, the only two times that the New York giants won playoff games during Eli Manning's tenure as the quarterback. Yes, they were two great runs, but the rest of his career has been a lot of average and mediocrity. And it, it's as simple as that. And like you said, Iron Man, 200 games he started you know over 200 consecutive starts there's been 10 quarterbacks in the nfl to start over 200 games over their career that's peyton manning tom brady drew Brees, fran tarkenton dan marino brett Favre, warren moon john elway eli manning and vinnie testaverde how about that list the, the, the stat that i came up with for that list eli manning ranks last or only ahead of vinnie testaverde in completion rate passer rating yards per attempt and interception rate Wow. All those other quarterbacks are ahead of Eli, and Eli's only ahead of Vinny Testaverde, or he's in last place out of all those 10 quarterbacks. So is he just a guy that has played long enough because of his two Super Bowl runs? Is that why his career lasted this long? Or is Eli Manning really that good? And I, and I think it's, you know, I think he lasted long because of the two Super Bowl runs. And winning two Super Bowls for a city like New York, a team with such prestige like the New York Giants, and and that's why his career has lasted this long. Besides that, his career has been a bunch of average and a bunch of mediocrity. And Giant fans, I know they'll be biased till, till they hit their grave. I know they will say otherwise. I know they will call me and rip me apart. And I've had discussions with family members, with friends. To me, Eli Manning has been very average and mediocre for the, for the large part of his career. Man, with those stats right there, those are some real stats. Uh, you pulled out some of the best quarterbacks. Eli's in that company, but amongst that company, he just doesn't quite stand up. And the two, the two Super Bowl rings really put him in the class, in theory, with his brother, but we all know it was never that close. 
No, absolutely not. I mean, and, and, and the stats continue. He led the NFL in interceptions three times, including the year that he won the Super Bowl. He, had, he led the league with 20. In 2010, he had 25. And in 2013, he had 27 picks. And in that season, in 2013, when he threw 27 picks, he finished 35th in the league in passer rating. Pete, there's 32 teams in the NFL. Oh he finished my 35th gosh. in passer rating. So, I mean, you know, you know, he's only been top 10 in passer rating once in his career as a top 10 quarterback in an in in individual season. He's only finished in the top 10 once. And his average for his career is 18th. He's in the middle. He's a, a very average, average quarterback. And, you know, I think just people give him that, especially Giant fans, to give him just that little bit of a credit just because of the, the two titles, and rightfully so, because it is hard to win. Obviously, the Cleveland Browns would love to win a Super Bowl. The Detroit Lions would love to win a Super Bowl. You know, Dan Marino wishes he had a Super Bowl. But, you know, when you break down an individual, guess what? Winning a Super Bowl is a team sport. When you break down an individual, then you look at statistics, you look at what he did for his team and, and everything of that nature. And to me, mostly Eli Manning, obviously he came to show and he was elite in a lot of those playoff games. But for the large majority of his career, he's been very average. And I don't even need you to respond to this, but I know somewhere somebody's listening to this and just thinking to themselves, yeah, but, you know, one last drive or one game in the playoffs, I'll take Eli over half these quarterbacks today. And it's not really based off of fact. It's based off n- nostalgia. And you and I both know that nostalgia does some dirty things on the minds of sports fans. So it's a dangerous game to play. But, Dan, one more thing on the Giants before we move on to some other stuff. Um, so obviously the struggle has been real. So, A, what are some of the things you think the Giants offense can do? to kind of help Eli out and maybe force him to take less checkdowns and more chances? And also, what do you see as far as expectations win-wise uh, after the 0-2 start? Mm-hmm. Well, so the thing with Eli, it, they're very limited with what they can do because he is a quarterback. He's a traditional drop-back passer. Quarterbacks like Drew Brees, like Tom Brady, those are traditional drop-back quarterbacks along with Eli Manning, guys that came into the league in the mid-2000s, you know, guys that have produced for a long time, but obviously Breeze and Tom Brady are two future first ballot Hall of Famers. Eli Manning, on the other hand, you know, he obviously isn't, he needed more of a team around him to be able to produce, and if you look at the quarterbacks now in the NFL, Pete, you look at guys like Carson Wentz, guys like Andrew Luck, guys like Russell Wilson, there's the quarterback class, even Sam Darnold now coming into the NFL, Guys are mobile. Guys are athletes. Cam Newton. You know, guys are able to move, create plays. I think Ben Roethlisberger was always a sacked quarterback over the years. He was always able to create time, move in the pocket, make plays. When the pocket collapses, Eli Manning just falls to the ground. He's very slow. He's unable to, you know, to, to create time for himself. Obviously, if the you know if someone sends an exotic blitz, which is what you saw a lot of last week when the Dallas Cowboys you know, played against them, and they got six sacks of Eli Manning. So it's just based on his talent. They're very – based on his talent and what he can do, they're very, very limited. And and it's, you know, obviously you would like to get the ball out of his hand quicker. So obviously that, that could be to beat a blitz potentially. Um, obviously you want to run the ball successfully because then you could work play auction. Play, uh, you know, you could run the ball successfully. You can run play action off of that and obviously look for guys downfield. But maybe he just doesn't have it anymore where he can throw the ball downfield, where he can make a play. You know, I, so far through two games, we haven't seen a lot. It's been a lot of checks down, check downs to Saquon Barkley, a lot of quick, you know, whatever, quick routes, quick slants. But there's, they're very limited on what they can do just, just based on what Eli Manning brings to the table. He's not one of those guys that can move 
that can make a play that could throw on the run, like the Aaron Rodgers of the world, you know, guys of that nature. And, and it, and it reflects on their performance as an offense. So looking at their past two weeks, and that's great stuff, Dan Canova and NJ.com, Jersey Journal. Um, looking at their past two weeks, you can look at it at two lights, one being the more obvious one that they really struggled to move the ball. Defense looked mm-hmm. good enough, at least, right, where they were close in the game. But they yeah. lost by one score to Jacksonville, who looks like they can be a juggernaut this year. They lost mm-hmm. in Dallas on the road, a division game. You can't really blame that loss too, too hard in the grand scheme of things. So how do you see them faring in the battle of the bad O-lines versus the Texans this week and moving forward? Do you think they have a chance to turn things around? I mean, yeah, because think about it. Their defense was – they didn't play bad. They, they only gave up 20 points to the Jaguars, who, who scored a fair amount of points against New England this, this past week. And they only allowed 20 points against the Dallas Cowboys, who I think Dak Prescott's not really – you know, he's a very average quarterback. Obviously, like you said, the Giants were on the road, tougher, tougher to play on the road. But, you know, it comes down to the offense producing. And, I mean, you can't win games scoring 15 points and 13 points. And that's what they did the first two weeks uh, in, in the season. Able to score 20 or more points. And, you know, if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, they put 23 up against Dallas, they win that game. They put 26 up against, uh, 26 points up against Jacksonville. We ask to do, meaning they're playing against one of the best defenses in, in the NFL. You know, they win those games. And it just comes down to, to, to their offense, honestly. And um, to, to your question about the Texans this week, I mean, the Texans have, it seems like they have a lot of trouble you know, in their own in their own organization as well. I mean, they're off to an zero and two start. Everyone was on the Deshaun Watson, you know, tr- um, train. You know, thinking that he was going to be the next best young quarterback and this and that. And so far, you know, he struggled through two games. Obviously, he played the New England Patriots, a game that blame him for. But the second game against the Tennessee Titans, Blaine Gabbert, starting quarterback, and to not come away with a win. I mean, that's causes for concern. I mean, they, they have a, they have a very very talented roster. Um, I'm just looking forward to how the Giants are going to protect Eli when, when you have Jadavian Clowney and J.J. Watt, you know, staring him down. Um, you have a pretty good secondary, Kareem Jackson, Tyron Matthew obviously came over in free agency. Um, I'm looking forward to that matchup. And, and for them to win, I mean, they're going to have to score points. That's what it comes down to. And if they continue this trend of not being able to move the ball, punting on fourth and inches at midfield, what did you get a running back for? with your uh, second overall pick if you're not going to run the ball at fourth and inches at midfield like they did like they did against Dallas in, um, last week. you got to make those – it's those in-game decisions. And, I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited to see, to see um, how the Giants respond. But right now, it doesn't look promising. I hate to say it, but it does not look promising. So I'll play devil's advocate here for a quick second, and it might be a little bit difficult, but the game, 1 o'clock at Texans, Giants, you know, going into Houston. Currently I'm looking at the spread. Texans are minus 6. Um, what we need to see out of the New York Giants in order for them to flip this thing around is really two things for me. And the first thing is, on the offensive end, is creativity. They need to do something to spice things up to put Eli Manning in more advantageous situations. And it's going to be hard with the offensive line. I'm not an offense coordinator in the NFL, so I don't know exactly how that has to happen. But I know for a fact that there are other teams with bad O-lines who make plays and who run into games where they put points on the board. And the Giants have the playmakers to do it. So whatever you have to do to get Saquon and Odell in open field, it needs to happen and it needs to be attempted over and over and over again until it works. So Pat Shermer, 
needs to prove his worth and show some creativity. And now the second key for me with the Giants this week is the defense, and they've been playing very well, but what they did in that 11-5 season just two years ago is they created turnovers, and they finished turnovers and turned them into points or set up the offense in good field position. And there's just been too many times where the cycle starts early, where the Giants go uh, three and out, they punt, the defense either, you know, does a good job or gives up a field goal, and the cycle starts again. But the defense is constantly being put in bad field position. So what you need, and I know it's asking a ton, and it's not fair, and the defense probably hates the offense in the locker room from time to time, but they need to create turnovers, and they need to turn those turnovers into points. And that's what they need to do to turn the season around. I don't know how likely it is, but those are the two keys right there. Creativity Absolutely. and turnovers. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I, I agree. Um but like we said, um, they had to score. That's that's what it comes down to. Their defense has played fine the first two games. They've held both opponents to 20 points. You know, it just comes down to to, to, to producing on the offensive end. And, and like we said earlier, um, to not score, you know, 30 points since 2015. I mean, that's 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 very alarming, you know. I mean, and like we said, in, the, in a league where offense thrives, where, people are able to, where teams are able to move the ball, you know, we're scoring – is common and for the giants not to be able to reach that standard of full two seasons, you know, 2016, 2017, and so far in 2018, that's very, very alarming. That's very worrisome. So, I mean, they have to get a turnaround. They have to get a turnaround fast if they want to be able to, to turn the ship around because it doesn't get any easier from here. They have to, you know, they're soon they're going to be playing the whole NFC South, which is one of the probably the best division of football. They're going to have to take on the saints. They're going to have to take on, the Carolina Panthers, you know, they're going to have to play the Atlanta Falcons. So they have a lot of tough matchups coming up on top of the Eagles twice, you know, the defending Super Bowl champions. So this road doesn't get any easier for the Giants. I mean, they they really need to uh, to produce and bounce back ASAP if they want to if they really want to turn the season around. All right, Dan, over under week, so let's say seven and a half. So do you think they score 30 points by week eight or are they going over if they oh. even score 30 at all? Ooh, by week eight? Yeah. Cause uh, the, the first seven have, has been made a thing. The first seven games of the Giants' season is a tough stretch. Okay. So I'll make it okay. eight. It's also the halfway point. So basically do you think the Giants can put 30 on the board before the midway point of the season? Run me, run me through those games. All right, um, so we got games. we got Houston this week. Then we got the Saints, Panthers, mm-hmm. Eagles, Falcons, Redskins, and then the Niners. Okay, I mean, I think they should, especially against teams like Niners, the San Francisco Forty ers and then Tampa um, Bay following the Niners. So Tampa Bay, they you know they're possible there too. You know, t- yeah, Tampa Bay. I mean, New Orleans scored forty on them. Um, they're playing the Saints, who gave up forty eight to Ryan Fitzpatrick. So. They should. They should in the, in, in, in the next couple of games. They really need to, and, and I think they will. I, I have a little bit of confidence left in them, a little bit. I mean, I did pick the Giants to win the NFC East this year. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I thought, you know, with the revamp of the offensive line, bringing in Saquon Barkley, I thought Eli Manning would show a little bit left. So far, it doesn't look like it, but 
I'm going to say under the um, under the eight games that they will they will score thirty points. And I think you, they will. You were not alone. A lot of people who are called professionals in this world really thought the Giants would flip this script and 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 do a good job in this season. But hey, not off to a good start. They do have time to write the script. But Dan, before we move on to some picks, before we do some NFL Week Three picks, let me give you a shout and talk about your team because to be quite honest, I don't know if he's even gotten enough coverage yet this year because he is a bona fide superstar. He's coming off an injury. And there's been so many crazy storylines in these first two weeks. It kind of got swept under. But your man, Andrew Luck, has done some things. Yeah, they're one and one. Mm-hmm. It was a tough game against the Bengals, his first game in years. But Andrew Luck is showing some stuff. He's showing he's still got some Andrew Luck magic in him. So what have you seen from your quarterback? And have you been pleased with the Colts' performance this far? I mean, I loved Andrew Luck since day one. I'm glad, obviously, the Colts took him over Robert Griffin the third. His first three years in the NFL, he went 11 and 5, 11 and 5, 11 and 5, 11 and 5 extending extra round in the playoffs each year you know lost in the wild card round lost in the divisional round obviously lost to the new england patriots in the afc championship game the next year taking a very very honestly mediocre average garbage whatever you want to say roster that far i mean outside of you know ty hilton um you know i think they had robert mathis reggie wayne in the beginning they really never put pieces around him and a lot of that is because of their ex-general manager ryan grixon i mean he's he made a while Andrew Luck was still in his rookie year, he made a lot of terrible signings, um, didn't put the pieces around him, traded for Trent Richardson, who's now playing in the Canadian Football League. Um, you know, they didn't put the pieces around him to succeed. But now I love the signing of Chris Ballard, who's their new GM, came over from, came over from Kansas City, um, you know, was big and instrumental with them. Obviously, they've had a lot of success over the last couple of years. Um, but I love the direction that they're headed in. I mean, it looks like that they got a steal, I believe, in round three with Darius Leonard, uh, their linebacker, who totaled 18 tackles last week, had a forced fumble, had a sack, played very well. Um, they came away with a round one against the Redskins, you know, winning 21 to nine. That Bengals game hurt a little bit because they were up in the fourth quarter in that game, and Andrew Luck was driving once they gave up the lead to potentially win the game. So the Colts could easily be two and zero right now, and you know, tied with the Jaguars at the top of the division. But um, I like what I'm seeing so far. Obviously, Andrew Luck's still getting into the flow of things. He has the talent. We all know that. He has the arm. He has the mobility. He's smart. Went to Stanford, graduated with a college degree in three years. That usually takes five years. Andrew Luck is a star. And he's, he, and if he stays healthy, he's going to be in a, a star in this league for a long time. You know, keyword, if he stays healthy. Obviously, he had you know, that um, shoulder surgery. But so far, I like what I see. Um, they have a tough matchup against the Eagles this upcoming week. Um We'll see. I mean, I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team this year. They still got to do a little rebuilding around him. But hopefully, they get back to that elite level where they put a little bit of talent around him. So, you know, they got they got to come away with a Super Bowl run during the Andrew Luck era. They have to. I mean, when you when you draft a quarterback number one as talented as Andrew Luck is, Super Bowl is expectations. Especially you know in the next couple of years with Tom Brady possibly retiring, you know the Patriots have owned the AFC. You have you know the Pittsburgh Steelers. So Andrew Luck could be the future of the AFC. I mean, you got him, you got Derek Carr, maybe Pat Mahomes. Um, you know, there, 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 there's a couple, you know, those are a couple names that come to mind right off the bat. But they could own the AFC if they potentially put the pieces around him and, and get the ship turned around. But I like what they're doing. I like the general manager. I love the head coach, getting an offensive-minded head coach, Frank Wright, from the Philadelphia Eagles. 
the direction that the, the ship is going in the right direction, put it this way. And that, as a fan uh, of a team who had a tough year last year, that's kind of all you can ask for off the bat. And Chris Ballard, people love him around the league, so that's really good. I'm happy Andrew Luck is back. I mean, sports are just better when stars are not injured. And it's good to see Absolutely. a guy like Andrew Luck back on the field. But segue from first overall picks, let's talk about some NFL picks. So I'm going to throw a couple games at you here, and by the end, mm-hmm. each of us will make a couple picks to talk about for week three. I'm going to start on Thursday night because we're talking about number one picks at quarterback. There's a number one pick at quarterback here for the Cleveland Browns who's not yet playing. Uh, it's yet to be said if he should or shouldn't be. Tyrod Taylor has done Tyrod Taylor things and kept them in game so far to this point. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, the Cleveland Browns are favorite. Yes, the Cleveland Browns are favorite. I'll say it twice. It's that crazy. But they're at home against the Jets. Thursday night can uh, cause for some weird games. Dan, who do you like? Browns minus three at home versus the Jets. I um I like the Browns in this game. They're at home. Um, their defense was superb in the first two games. You know, holding the Pittsburgh Steelers, ter- causing six turnovers of, of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I believe it was four interceptions for Big, big, big Ben Roethlisberger. Um, you know, obviously ending in a tie. If they had a kicker, the Cleveland Browns could easily be two and zero. You know, um, losing to I mean, tie, I'm sorry, tying with Pittsburgh twenty one twenty one had a, was in New Orleans and had them on skates and gave up the lead late again and obviously lost on another missed field goal to obviously send that game into overtime and they lost twenty one eighteen. But their defense has been amazing against two great offenses in this league. I mean, the New Orleans Saints who, since Drew Brees has been there, has been one of the best offenses in the league, and obviously Ben Roethlisberger, a future Hall of Famer. They've, they've played great, and Miles Garrett has looked phenomenal. And then you have Joe Sherbert, a linebacker. Um, you have their secondary, which has been improved with, you know, um, John Dorsey going there and uh, making some instant improvements right away with the Cleveland Browns and obviously taking a quarterback. But I think uh, I think the Browns will come away with a win. Um I think Tyrod Taylor is a very is a game manager, and I think the Browns need to start thinking about because he's not going to lead your team to a win. He's not going to throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns and 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 put up numbers like that. They need to turn to the their number one pick and their franchise quarterback Baker Mayfield. You have to go through the growing pains. The Jets are doing it. The Bills are doing it. Uh, I'm sure the Arizona Cardinals are going to be doing it soon because Sam Bradford, we know who he is and what he is. And I think they're just preserving Rosen in that situation because of how bad the Arizona Cardinals offensive line is. Um, But these young guys need to play. That's how they're going to learn. That's how the game is going to slow down for them. That's how they're going to be better. Um, So I think the Browns need to get Mayfield out there as soon as possible, just like the Jets did with Darnold. But I do see, I think it's going to be a tough game for Darnold on the road. Um, obviously had a tough game at home against the Dolphins last week, came away with the win at Detroit week one, obviously the defense intercepting Matt Stafford four times, but I do like the Browns. I think the Browns come away with the win. Um, I think they cover the spread and um, I, I like Cleveland. The Browns fans are going to be ravenous on Thursday night, which is actually tonight because we're recording Wednesday night uh, for a Thursday release here. So if you're listening to this podcast today, uh, you're going to see a good game tonight. I think it's going to be tight. I last week I actually took the Dolphins. It was the only, my only pick I got right last week, but I was on the Dolphins, <laughs> and it was solely based off the reasoning that when a team gets hype, which the Jets did after Week One, I kind of like to go against the grain. And it wasn't mm-hmm. really Sam Darnold that won that game. It was that defense, even though Darnold did a decent job. It was that run mm-hmm. game. So I, I saw too much hype going in the Jets' direction, and I went the opposite direction. Uh, what I'm going to do smart. here, very, very smart pick. Yeah, very it, wor- smart pick. It, it worked out in one of my three picks at least, but. 
What I'm going to do here is actually I'm going to take these points here. And in theory, this is a, a no touchy for me. This is a game that I want to stay far away from because I think it's going to be. I agree. Right. I think I it's going to be a good one and I want to watch it. So I don't want to put the stress on, even though I probably will anyway. And if I am, I, I might just take the points because the, the flair for the dramatic, whether it be positive or negative that the Browns have experienced in the first two weeks of this season, just tell me that this might be a very weird field goal type game shootout the the over under set at 39 and a half it's not even at 40 so I don't know what this game's gonna look like it might be ugly it, and who knows it might be Baker Mayfield by the second half if the if the Browns can't move the ball uh how exciting would it be if we knew Baker and Darnold will be facing off unfortunately we don't get that but I'm gonna take the points just based off the fact that the Browns had a flair for the dramatic for the better or worse in the first two weeks but that's really my reasoning there I mean, look look at the look at the first uh, first Thursday night game, uh, Baltimore Ravens Cincinnati Bengals last week. The bang the I'm sorry, the Baltimore Ravens demolishing the the, the Buffalo Bills week one, short week. I was a, a culprit of it. I rolled with the the Ravens on the road in Cincinnati. Me too. They got their door they got their they got their doors blown off. So, in a short week, anything can happen. You know, teams teams in a short week. You don't know. I don't think you see their full potential when on, they, when on they the road too. Yeah, that's a good road, point. That's a good point. Could be a could be a very very tricky game. Like I, I agree with you. I would stay away from that game too, um, because especially I don't know if I'd want to put money on the Browns on the Jets a rookie quarterback. It's tough, but um, I like the Browns. I'm gonna go with the Browns at home. I like it. You might have flipped me there a little bit. Let's go on through a couple more games here. A game that is just absolutely intriguing from the standpoint that these two can be two of the last team standings. In fact, they were two of the last four in the NFC last year. The Saints and the Falcons. I mean, you had a team that was. Uh, a moment away from beating the Vikings last year in the playoffs and a team that two years ago was in the Super Bowl, both one and one, both had one underwhelming game and one good enough game to get the dub. What do you like Falcons minus three at home versus the Saints? Uh, in that situation, I mean, a lot, a lot of those games between two rivals, you had the Saints, Falcons, obviously NFC South. They, big, a lot of meaning behind that game. Two great, two really good I would say Breeze, first ballot Hall of Famer, great quarterback. Matt Ryan, a very good quarterback, obviously an MVP, took the Falcons to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. I like the Falcons at home. Um, I think I think um, they're going to ride that big win over the Carolina Panthers last week. They have a lot of issues on defense. You know, Keanu Neal, strong safety, out for the year with a torn ACL. Deion Jones, placed on IR, is able to return in the future. So those are two big losses on defense. They're, they're great players, phenomenal players, and, and I could see that being – hurt but i like the falcons at home i think the home team usually in those games comes out a little bit more alive the saints you know especially after the saints blew that um that game against the vikings last year in the nfc divisional round and and you know giving up that last minute touchdown to stefan diggs and case keenum i thought they would come out with a little more hunger and vengeance and 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 i think a lot of the general public you know reading through a lot of different articles. A lot of people are picking the Saints to come out of the NFC. And so far, you know, one and one, a loss to Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Bucks, barely beating the Cleveland Browns. The Saints have been uh, walking off the nice a little bit. Their defense hasn't been really that good. Drew Brees has been Drew Brees, but they have absolutely no running game. I'm um, looking forward to seeing Mark Ingram come back after week four because he was a big part of their run game last year. You know, kind of like the fire and ice with him and Alvin Kamara. Um, and Kamara obviously isn't really a between the tackles runner. So a lot of the run game has been 
non-existent in the first two games. I mean, they're, they're averaging under three yards a carry, um, from my understanding. So I like the Falcons at home. They have a better running game. Tevin Coleman ran for over 100 yards last week. You got Julio Jones. You got Calvin Ridley. You got Austin Hooper. You got Matt Ryan. A good offense, good defense. I think this. I think the Falcons at home come away with the win in the NFC South battle. Yeah, that's going to be a good game, and I can't wait to see it. Um, it's a tough one. Like you said, divisional game, it's really tough to make a call there. Again, would probably be a no-touchy in the realm of, in, in that realm. But I, I kind of feel you. The Falcons look good. They got the weapons. They're, they got the home field. Uh, so I'd probably lean Falcons as well. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this next game. I just want to get a quick, quick take here. Vikings are 16.5-point favorites. I don't think anybody oh, in the world is questioning if they are going to beat the Bills. Would you ever imagine taking them with that big a spread? Because I think I might, Dan. I think I might. It's a tough one. Uh, Minnesota, obviously, at home. At the end of the day, these guys are professional athletes. Um, you know, obviously, the Bills haven't looked good. Um, Josh Allen looks a little promising so far. Big arm, you know. Obviously, a lot of growing to do, um, but obviously the Vikings at home are going to win. I think to take the money line for the Vikings to win, you have to put over a thousand to win a hundred bucks. Um, at so, least, so at I, least, at least. I think it's about twelve hundred if I remember looking, or thirteen hundred. Um, but obviously, the Vikings are going to win. They have a they have a Super Bowl ready team. I mean, they were a game away last year. Now they got better at the quarterback position. Um, you know, obviously signing Kirk Cousins from free agency. Stefan Diggs looks awesome. Adam Thielen looks great. Kyle Rudolph looks great. Um, that's a tough one. I, I, with, with large spreads like that, I like to stay away from those games because you really don't know. You know, a couple penalties don't go your way or something doesn't go your way. All of a sudden, the Bills are up 10 nothing. Boom, there it is, 27.5 points right there that the Vikings would have to make up. So I would stay away from that one. But uh, if I had to take someone, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with the Bills. I'm going to say that, that uh, you know, the Bills – on the road in Minnesota, cover 16 points. Maybe they lose by 15. <laughs> <laughs> garbage time touchdown, garbage time field goal. Can really, it can seal the deal and really hurt your feelings if you, if you do take the favorite there. Um, that's good stuff there. Uh, another team, another game I want to talk about, solely because the Kansas City Chiefs have gotten a ton of hype and Patrick Mahomes has gotten a ton of hype. They're six-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the San Francisco 49ers. It's Mahomes versus Jimmy G, two high-profile quarterbacks expected to do a lot of good things this year. Uh, who do you like in the Chiefs at home after their good 2-0 start? I mean, I love Pat Mahomes. Um, I have him on my fantasy team, 10 touchdowns, first two weeks of the year, which is an NFL record. Um, so um, I love the Chiefs, but something tells me in this game, you know, everyone is on their on their hype train now. You know, they had two big wins. They beat the, they beat the Steelers um, last week. Week one, remind me, who did they beat? Um, can't remember. The Chiefs? Yes. Uh, the Chargers. Chargers, uh, yeah. No, that was the, you know, yeah, the Chargers. Yeah, it was the yeah, Chargers. Yeah. It was. They, they beat the Chargers 38-28, I remember now. Um, a team that they've owned the last couple of years. Um, so now now they're stepping a little bit out of their um, comfort zone. I know they're coming home to Arrowhead. Um, you got Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, another young stud quarterback who I believe is going to be very good in this league, obviously with a good offensive-minded head coach in Kyle Shanahan. Um, the spread, 6.5. I believe the 49ers will cover the spread. I don't know if they're going to win or not. Um, maybe Andy Reid puts something together and Pat Mahomes um, squeaks it out at the end. But what I'm intrigued to see with that is, obviously Pat Mahomes has been very good, but I think the Chiefs can't forget about their running game. Um, like we said earlier um, in reference to running backs, Kareem Hunt led the league in rushing last year for a reason. He's a, he's a very good player. He catches balls out of the backfield. You, when, when December comes, when January comes, you got to be able to run the ball successfully. 
And we haven't seen that yet from the Chiefs. Um, you know, I think Hunt hasn't been even close to 100 yards in the game. Obviously, they've been throwing a lot. A lot of big plays. When the dust settles a little bit, I want to see the Chiefs control a game, run the ball. I want. I, I would like to see that. And until I see that, I'm, I'm still going to remain a little skeptical. I love what I see so far. Mahomes is the weapons. You know, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt, Sammy Watkins. He's got a great running game. Their defense is eh, okay. But um, I would like to see more from them and holding a lead. They almost blew the game last week against Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, they were they were up 21 nothing, and then all of a sudden, you know, Steelers come back. So what does that say about their defense? What does that say about them not controlling the game with, with the running game? So I would like to see more from that. Um, in hindsight, with the 49ers, Garoppolo didn't play his best game the first two weeks. Obviously, he had a tough matchup week one against the Vikings. Week two last week, they beat the Lions. They ran the ball really successfully with Matt Breida, the, the the young running back. Um, I think they continue to do that. I think the Niners might shock people and go on the road this this week in Arrowhead. And like we said earlier, the Jets look great. Everyone was on them week one. Ravens look great. Everyone was on them week one. Both teams failures in week two. Maybe this extra week now, you know, the, um, the Chiefs look good week one, week two. Maybe they'll have a letdown week this week. I think if there's any time to bet on Andy Reid and the Chiefs, it's the first six weeks of the season. So if you're feeling the Mahomes hype and you're feeling the Andy Reid hype, fine, ride it. Like, ride it out. But like you said, there are some serious things to be concerned about. The run game hasn't gone going, and they give up chunk plays on defense. I mean, the Steelers came screaming back in that game. The Chargers were moving the ball pretty easily in the Week 1 matchup there, too. So six and a half points. I know it's a home game for the Chiefs. That's a lot of points. If I'm giving mm-hmm. my advice out, I'm saying buy it to seven so you have the full touchdown cushion mm-hmm. and take those damn points and take it home. So I, I kind of like you. I like your uh, mindset there as well. I Absolutely. think the Chiefs will win. Andy Reid loves winning games in September. He can't be stopped. But seven mm-hmm. points is nothing to laugh at. And speaking of seven points, the next game I want to talk to you about, and uh, we'll call this the last one. Maybe we'll sneak one more in at the end. But let's treat this one like uh, the pinnacle because it might be a good one, and it's two teams that, People were very high on coming into this season. One has looked okay, and the other one, the Los Angeles Rams, have looked fantastic. They're seven-point favorites at home against the Chargers. What do you like in that spread, uh, Rams versus Chargers at Rams? I've yet to think about this one. I haven't really dove into this game yet. Um, The Rams look unbelievable. I mean, they have the talent. They, They do. They really have the talent. I mean, offensively, you know, getting Sean McVay to take over at the head coaching position last year, literally turned the Rams from the worst offense in the league, Goff's rookie year, to the best offense in the league last year with Todd Gurley winning the uh, Offensive Player of the Year award. Now this year getting Brandon Cooks into the fold. Um, you know, Robert Woods had a great year. Cooper Cup looks good. A lot of weapons on that offense. And, and I mean, their defense, to go along with Aaron Donald, you have Ndamukong and Sue anchoring, anchoring the defensive line. Their linebacking core is, is okay. It's a solid core. But when you have guys like Josh Johnson, who's played exceptionally well, strong safety the first two games, and you have two shutdown corners and Marcus Peters and Akeep Tlaib, um, that game, that game, I don't see it getting ugly because Philip Rivers always has a tendency to go on the road, even though it isn't a road game because they're both Los Angeles, um, and pull out a win. He always, he always has that tendency. I remember a few years ago, um, you know, he, he beat Seattle one year with the with the Legion of Boom and, and that and that defense. He was able to pull out a win there. But I think oh, this is a tough one. Uh, it is a tough one, man. Point. That's why this I'm putting you on the one. spot here. I'm putting you you're doing good. You're you doing are good. Putting, you are putting me on the spot. Uh, I've I've yet to dive into this one. Uh I like Goff. I like the Rams. 
I think the I think Philip Rivers and the Chargers give them a game in this one. I really do. I th- I I would take the Chargers with the points in this one. Like we said, the first two games too with the Rams. I know they looked well, but they really didn't play anyone. They played. It seems like the Raiders who, you know, the Raiders played very well in that first half before the Rams, you know, just dominated that second half. They're a way more talented team. They just took them apart in that second half. And last week, they beat the Arizona Cardinals. They shut them out, who's a, who's probably one of the worst teams in the league. Them and the Bills are probably the two worst teams in the league. So now they're playing a potential AFC playoff team. I love the Chargers coming into the year. Obviously, they always have – their kryptonite always seems to be the Chiefs, who they lost to week one. They bounced back last week, obviously beat the Bills. Uh, interested to see a little bit more. I think it's going to be a very good game. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. I see that I, I'm rolling with the Chargers covering the seven points. What would lean me to take the Rams here is that they seem to like just not give any hex about anybody. They they put the pedal to the metal. They put the th- mm-hmm. foot on the throat. They want to put points on the board, and they don't care who's watching. I mean, they don't seem like the type of team that goes up by ten points or two touchdowns and then just let it off. Like they don't they don't stop. So the reason why I like the Rams in this situation here is because they want to put as many points on the board, and they don't care. They're not stopping for anybody. They're not caring about running up the score. So that's why I kind of like the Rams here. But, man, division game, the L.A.L.A. thing here, that's tough. That's probably a stay away. But if I'm going there, I'm taking the Rams. (laughs) I'm taking the Rams, I think, because their offense is just so dynamic and their defenses look very good as well. Um, all right, so what I'm going to do here, Dan, and you can do the same after I, I do uh, my three, I'm going to lock in three picks for the week. I just like to do it. I like to keep a tab throughout my year. Right now, uh, I am two, three, and one in my picks. So I was one, one, and one in the first week. I got a tie, a push on the Seahawks-Broncos in week one. And last week, I was one and two. So I'm going to lock in three games here. And then if you'd like, you can do the same. So my first lock of the day, I'm actually going back on the Ravens bandwagon. The Broncos didn't look great last week against the Oakland Raiders. They just, just snuck out a win. Case Keenum really struggled. He's thrown more interceptions and touchdowns this year. I love the Ravens when people count them out. So the Ravens didn't look good against the Bengals. People have a bad taste in their mouth. And then all of a sudden they play well. Then the Ravens play well, and people are like, oh, the Ravens are back, and they play like crap. So I like to go opposite what happened to the Ravens last week. So that's why I like the Ravens minus 5.5. Might buy it down to 5 just to make it even. Uh, I like to do that. Uh, My second game here is going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Tennessee Titans uh, have somehow won a game last week without Marcus Mariota. They played the weirdest game of the year in week one uh, against the Dolphins that took like nine hours. I don't know what to think about the Titans, but I'm convinced that they can't be that good. Deion Lewis is a good player. Corey Davis, a lot of people are high on. He's a good player. Their defense is solid, but the Jaguars look like a juggernaut. It's in Jacksonville, and you saw what they did to the Patriots last week. Do they come down with a letdown? I don't, I don't see that out of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't see it out of their defense. And honestly, I kind of like how they look without Fournette. Forced to spread the ball around. They were forced to put, put the ball in Keelan Cole's hand and D.D. Westbrook's hand. I like it a lot. So Jaguars minus 6.5. I think they win by a touchdown. <clears throat> and last but not least, my final pick is going to be the Minnesota Vikings. I gave you a tease earlier that I might be... T- Get, taking the Vikings, even though they're giving up all those points. Josh Allen is going to be running around like a chicken without a head 
against the Minnesota Vikings defense. The Vikings just came away with a tie, and they cannot be happy about it. Kirk Cousins is dropping 40 on the Bills. The Bills don't score more than 14. It, it's going to be a bloodbath. I, I, I can really see that game being over at halftime. That's the only thing that makes me nervous, is if the Vikings can pull their starters in the third, fourth quarter. <laughs> wow. Those are some those are some those are some crazy picks there. I'm going in. Um, look looking at the schedule. Um call me biased, call me a homer homer. Call me a homer, call me biased. Um I love the Colts on the road, six and a half, getting six and a half against the Eagles. Uh people tend to jump on the oh Carson Wentz is back, their offense is gonna be better. The guy hasn't played a game since week fourteen of last year. Off season obviously tore his ACL off-season surgery, you know, obviously the Eagles went on to win the Super Bowl. Look for the – don't be surprised if Indy goes into Philadelphia and wins that game, um, you know, limiting Carson Wentz, Luck playing exceptionally well, and, and I wouldn't be shocked. That's going to be one of my picks, like you said, um, about buying a half a point. I would make that six and a half a seven. Uh, I would roll with the Colts in that one. Um, I think that's a good one. I love that. Um, I love hom- that, Call me a way. homer. Call me a homer, but I like Andrew Luck. He has two games under his belt. Carson Wentz has zero under his belt right now. I'm going to go with that. And a lot of the people are betting on the Eagles. A lot of the people are betting on the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they like them coming off of a a, a loss to the Tampa Bay Bucks. I'm going to go in the opposite direction. I wish I made that pick, man. That's that's reasoning that's right up my alley, let me tell you. Because people, I, like you said, Wentz is back. They're going to be good. They still got some trouble with their weapons on offense. Their defense did not look great against Tampa Bay. I love that pick, Dan. Keep going. I don't want to. I don't want to choose any games that you picked. I do love the Ravens at home against the Broncos. I'm going to go with the Packers on the road against the Redskins. The Packers are giving three points. Um, when you have Aaron Rodgers, you, you're, you're great. I mean, unless Rodgers gets hurt in this game, obviously Jay Gruden's a good coach. They have Alex Smith, who I've had mixed emotions about over the years. Um, you know, just because he's he's in the regular season, but when playoff time came around, he always didn't show up. Um, but I like the Packers on the road giving three um, against the Redskins. I think the Packers win by more than three easily. And if you want to buy a half a point, make it two and a half. So if they win by a field goal, be, be my guest. Uh, but I like the Packers on the road. They had a tough tie against the Vikings at home. Um, Rodgers is healthy. Rodgers is ready to roll. Uh, I think he's going to do well against the uh Washington in that ball game, and my last one, I'm gonna say another one, another team coming off of a loss. I think they bounce back, come 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 back this week with a win. I love the Carolina Panthers at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. Carolina minus three, a field goal game. Again, if you want to half a point, make it two and a half. If you want to take the money line, lock in the Carolina Panthers to win that game. Carolina's at home. They're coming off of a tough divisional road loss to um, the Atlanta Falcons. They're at home. Cincinnati Bengals are not as good as the record shows. I think they won on a short week against the Ravens. They got a little lucky to come back against the Colts in that week one game in, in Indianapolis. I think the lock for sure is Carolina at home. Cam Newton, Christian McCaffrey, Carolina's defense. They're going to shut down Cincinnati. Book it. Carolina will win that game. I like it. And Joe Mixon's out. He's averaging 90 yards uh, per game in his first two, and that was even banged up in the second game. So he was a huge part of their offense in the past game week one, 90 yards in week two on the ground, and and he's out. So what is Gio Bernard going to be able to do inside the tackles, if anything? And, you know, 
the Panthers have a great front seven. I like that pick a lot too. So, Dan, you locked in the Panthers, the Packers, and the Colts. I went Vikings and um, brain fart. Ravens. Oh, <laughs> Vikings, the Ravens, and also the Jaguars. So those are the picks for our NFL Week 3. Uh, Dan Canova, sports editor at NJ.com and the Jersey Journal. Dan, this was an absolute blast. Thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. Looking forward to doing this in the future again, man. This this was great. I mean, hopefully uh, hopefully this could be a, become a weekly thing for us maybe. Um, hey. I like this a lot. Yeah, no, it was a blast, and I, I'm always looking for people to talk spreads with. I'm looking for people to talk about the picks for the week, and, and we, we shot the breeze on the Giants and Eli. we got to dive deep maybe into, into Darnold and the Jets next time around, and then we make some more locks to help people win some money. Absolutely, Pete. Thank you so much for having me on. That's it. Sports Blog New York Podcast. Pete Kennedy, that's Dan Canova, NJ.com, Jersey Journal, sports editor there. Thanks for listening, everybody.